So uh, if you did the homework, that's fantastic, but you don't need to get it out right now. That's going to be at the end with your table leaders. Um, and if you are trying to follow along with me, you'll become very frustrated. So I want to kind of say that so you can set it aside. Or there are these beautiful little pages at the end if you want to take notes, because at one point I am going to tell you to get out your pencil, because there's a couple verses I, um, instead of um, sharing all of them with you, to give you a little more if you want to go a little deeper on something. So. That's that. Uh, Trish began with our opening to um, First Thessalonians last uh, week, and so I'm going to start by doing the entire chapter of chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. And to start, I'm just going to read it straight through um, and then break it down with some grouping and some giving it some categories and such. So um, we'll start there. So um, in First Thessalonians chapter 1, Verse 1, to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all you do, or for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For now, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we live among, lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of suffering. You welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out, from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Even now, we're still talking about them. Just saying. Um, Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Ooh, um, that's a nice way to start. Uh, Paul is very um, happy with those in Thessalonica who are still serving, they're believers. Um, he's actually writing to them, uh, and this could be considered almost like a model church that we're going to talk about tonight, that there are lots of things that they had going on that was good. And so that's what we're going to focus on. Uh, Paul's writing to this church to help ground them in the doctrines of the Christian faith. Um, thank you, Trish, for choosing election as the one of the ones I do. I was like, oh, okay, we're going to do this. Okay, we'll, we'll do this, Lord, please. Um, but this church was experiencing severe persecution, and they were very vulnerable to be tempted to compromise and give in. And that happens to new believers, right? They're excited. They're enthusiastic, and that is when hard times come that they end up crumbling because they they're not founded, they're not grounded in their faith. And this is what Paul's trying to do, to encourage them. So Paul's words were to encourage these believers to stand firm and maintain their strong witness. So let's break it down in parts. If we're going to look at just verses 1 through 4 together, we might call this an elect people. So he's describing these, the church as those who are elect. Paul opens his letters to the, letter to the Thessalonians and uses 
the word church, which can mean called out people. In John 17, Jesus is praying for his disciples and all believers, and he repeatedly refers to believers as those whom the Father gave to him out of the world. And Paul's statement in 1 Thessalonians 1.4 reiterates that he knew the Thessalonians are chosen by God. So while election can be a controversial issue, and if you have a really controversial, if you have a problem with it, then just call on the name of Jesus and be saved and you're elect to discern. Um, but I'm not going to get into that. And I'm uh, just going to say that there are many blessings that come from salvation. And there are key points that we should consider when considering what is a result or what are the, um, let me say, evidences of salvation, okay? So there are some key things to, to remember with salvation. Number one, uh, it begins with God, okay? So in 2 Thessalonians, it says, but we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the work of the Spirit, through the belief in truth. And then in John 15, 16, it also says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go bear fruit, fruit that will last. And then in Ephesians 1, 4, it says, he, the Father, hath chosen us in him, Christ, before the foundation of the world. You know, we're constrained by time, right? That he's not in this time. He's not limited by that. And he already had a plan. He's chosen us. That's humbling, isn't it? Um, so here's our takeaway. The entire plan of salvation was born in the heart of God long before man was created or the universe formed. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he has a plan for us. It's not just, oh, they'll just figure it out, you know. Um, all right, so salvation points, it begins with God. All right, next one, salvation involves God's love, right? So Romans 5, 8, uh, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. He died for us. He didn't wait until we were good and ready. So we were worthy, but he did it long before that. That's how much he loves us. And it's evident God uh, has great love for us. But guess what? It's not his love that saves us. It's his grace. Remember? Grace. We don't deserve salvation, but he gives it to us. It's his grace. We do deserve death, punishment for our sin, and that's mercy that he holds that back, that he doesn't allow that us to have all of the what we deserve, and instead he gives us that grace. Um, and this is why Paul opens up his letter, grace be unto you and peace from the God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew it was grace that they had um, needed. Okay, so salvation begins with God, salvation involves God's love, and salvation involves faith. Ephesians 2.8, for it's by grace you've been saved through faith, right? And not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. And Romans 10.17, consequently, faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. And the Thessalonians heard and received the salvation through the message Paul shared with them when he first started the church. Okay, key points. Salvation begins with God. 
Salvation involves God's love. Guess what? Salvation also involves the Trinity. And when I was studying this, I was like, what? I mean, yeah, God, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay, so Ephesians 1.4, God chose me in Christ before the foundation of the world. God, the Father. God the Son, his death and his resurrection was for me. His coming again, it's for me. That's salvation, right? And then God the Holy Spirit, well, in December 1995, I heard the Holy Spirit spoke to me, my heart. You know, for years and years and years, and I grew up in a Christian family, and I uh, grew up going to church, but I had not come into my own decision of salvation. I didn't, I didn't call on the name of the Lord. I did, but in a way that was not, um, it was immature. So at night, this is what I would pray. And I can still, if I close my eyes, I can still picture myself. And I had a little day bed with these like porcelain round knobs on the side that had these painted little flowers on them. Like I can just picture myself where in this townhome that we lived in and the street light pouring in the window. I, I can imagine it right now. And I would pray earnestly, oh, dear God, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And you chuckle, but I fervently prayed that. I kept thinking I needed to keep praying this again and again and again. But it wasn't until that night, and I can still picture that night, on the floor at a youth group event, Christmas party, and we're all sitting around after all the fun and the hoopla is done, and Mrs. S. just shared the gospel to all these kids who have been in church for all their lives, most of them. And here I am, and I hear the Holy Spirit speak to my heart. You know, that's when I realized that I was a child of God. I didn't need to keep going through that ritual. It's not a ritual that saved me. I needed to come to understand. And when I heard the Holy Spirit speaking to me, I didn't need to keep praying for that salvation anymore. It was done that day. And thank God for Mrs. S., who faithfully served and went before the generation that I was being brought up in and was sharing the love of God. So we'll talk about that later. Okay, so... Salvation begins with God, it involves God's love, it involves faith, it involves the Trinity, and it also, salvation changes lives. If you have come into salvation, your life should not look the same. There should be evidence of your salvation. Now, is a, is a new believer or is a believer perfect? I stand here negative. I did say 1995, right? It's been some time now, but I can still say that I am still going through that transformation every day, okay? But my life should look different. A person who's come into salvation, their life should look different. Ready? This is how it should look different. In verse 3, Paul identifies the changes he saw in the Thessalonians. Are you ready? I will never, ever, 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 ever see or hear these words again and not think of this now. So I hope it ruins you too in a good way. 
All right. So in three, he says, we continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if that really bothers you that it says faith, love, and hope, I'm sorry, faith, hope, and love. I mean, you know, mix it all up if you need to. But when I see that, I'm like, yes, oh, it's not just that really cute placard on my wall at home. It really has a lot, there's a lot of meaning here. So we're going to go into this. So what was the work of faith? Um, They turned um, to God from idols. That was their faith, right? What was their labor of love? They were serving the living and true God. And what was their uh, hope? They were waiting for the sun from heaven. Mm. Faith, love, and hope. Faith, hope, and love. I can't can't get it out in that order, but regardless. So someone who claims to be one of God's elect but doesn't have a changed life is only fooling himself. A believer is changed, not perfect. Um, Their transformation will be a lifelong process as they read the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to them. Romans describes this process. It said, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's Romans 12, 2. That's what what should be happening every day with us, right? Because I know where my mind goes. (laughs) It usually goes in selfish ways. And I need to keep renewing my mind through the word of God and in prayer. All right. Remember that old saying, the proof is in the pudding? You really should not do a study on that, I'm just saying. It goes way back, and the pudding is more like a sausage thing. So I'm just going to stop there with describing that process. But that that's the, the origins of that little idiom. But... Um, for the purposes of how it fits in here, we'll just continue. I'm thinking vanilla pudding. That helps you right now. <laughs> or banana. Okay. So um, where does that come from? What does that mean? All right. Well, Merriam-Webster explains, generally, the expressions are used to say that the real worth, success, or effectiveness of something can only be determined by putting it to the test or um, by trying it or using it. Appearances and promises aside, hmm, just as the best taste of pudding is to eat it. The test is in the evidences, right? Okay? So a changed life should reveal these three virtues, faith, hope, and love. These are the evidences. Notice I said virtues and evidences, not requirements, right? Because it's not requirements. That is how we are saved. Salvation can't be earned. It's a gift from God. Um, The Thessalonians had faith that was evident. They turned from the idols, started living in their faith. Ephesians 2.8, remember I said, it's by grace you've been saved through faith, not of your works. So nobody can boast a gift of God. For we're God's workmanship, we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, God has a plan for you to do good works, not to attain salvation, but as evidence of salvation. You know, last year our study was in James, okay? And it's, um, it hung out on this topic a lot, right? Works and deeds, 
Okay. So James 2, 14 to 26, I'm not going to read it. You really should go back. I think the messages are online, aren't they? Okay. So you can go back and listen to James. Um, it was, it was life-changing for me, um, personally. So, but in here, it describes how faith leads to works. It's been said, said, we are not saved, um, by faith plus works, but faith that works. So that you can go into the scriptures. I told you it was James 2, 14 to 26, if you want to take a look at that. So faith without deeds is dead. And that's how that ends, that whole passage. All right. So what's another evidence? Love. Love is the evidence of salvation. Jesus tells his disciples in John, if you love me, you will obey my command. Okay, sure. What's your command? Well, in Matthew, Jesus is replying to an expert in the law when he's asked, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest command, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. I, I told you before, I know where my thoughts go and where my tendencies go, and they're usually very selfish. That's the sin that I'm constantly trying to, you know, Lord, please take this from me and reminding myself. That's why I need to stay in the Word, need to stay in prayer, need to stay um, in fellowship. But mull on this for a minute. Are you ready? We're made in the image of God, right? We're image bearers. God cares how you treat people. People are special. So they're so special that he'd sent his only son that whoever would believe would not perish, right? So I ask myself, Bethany, do you think you could treat others with that in mind? And 1 Corinthians, and this, my sweet friend, bought me a mug with this verse on it, and I have to tell you, it's my favorite mug because, it, you know, there's like a favorite mug you have at home. Like the coffee tastes better in that mug, right? <laughs> but on that mug has this verse, and it reminds me. So 1 Corinthians 16, 13, 14, it reminds us, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. Oh, I can be strong. I can be courageous, but I got to love all the time, everyone. <laughs> okay, I'm working on it. I'm still in the process. Forgive me. <laughs> I'm showing you my vulnerability here. But my mug, it says, do everything in love. And it reminds me, you know, when I'm doing dishes, when my kids are fighting, when I'm cooking dinner, and I'm going, I just want to go away. <laughs> and it's like, but it's not. That's my moment. That's love. Loving my family, loving my kids. You know that car that's trying to get out of the parking lot? And I'm like, I'm not going to let them out. Okay, go ahead. You know, I'm working on it. It's not my nature to like be like, yay. <laughs> You know, my friends, they, I know, Caitlin's like giving me a little hug. I'm not even a hugger. I'm not, sorry. You know this now. Oh, now I'm going to get a lot of hugs. Oh, man. God loves people that don't hug, too, just saying. Okay, back to where we were. 
So we need to do everything in love. It's the evidence of our salvation. We should look different than the world. We should. All right, third one, hope. The third evidence of salvation is hope, and it's the theme of both of these books or these letters to the Thessalonians, right? So Jesus is explaining in Mark that the hour is unknown of when he's going to return. The only one that knows is the Father. And he tells everyone to watch. Guess what? The Thessalonians were watching. They were a model church. They were waiting for the coming. Now, there were little problems with that too, but that's okay. We'll get to that later. All right, so faith, hope, and love, the evidence of salvation, they're not only mentioned in Thessalonians, they're mentioned repeatedly in the New Testament. And I will tell you this, I'm a teacher if you didn't know. He who does the work does the learning. I'm just saying. So I'm going to share some of these with you, and I'm going to give you some extra verses. Go home, read these. I mean, when I was reading these and studying, I was going, oh, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how many times it says this. And I've been reading the word a long time, just saying. Okay, ready? 1 Corinthians 13, 13. You don't have to write this one down. I'm going to give you this one. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love, okay? Uh, Romans 1, 1 through 5, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have, been, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith, okay, into the grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. That's that faith, hope, and love again, right? Okay, Galatians 5, 5 to 6. But by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Okay. Now, there are more passages. Grab your pencil. I will say it twice so that you're not like, what? Wait, she moved on. I'm going to repeat it, I promise. All right, ready? Uh, Colossians 1, 4, and 5. I'll repeat it. Colossians 1, 4, and 5. The next two are both in Hebrews. If you want to like write it once and then just write both things. Ready? Hebrews 6, 10 to 12. That's Hebrews 6, 10 to 12. And then again, Hebrews 10, 22 to 24. And then finally, 1 Peter 1, 21 to 22. And I'll repeat it. 1 Peter 1, 21 to 22. Now, I did tell you I was a teacher, right? So when you look these up and when the Lord speaks to you, will you share that with someone? Share it with someone at your table next time you come together, when you see them at church, when you, I don't know, when you do it, get their number tonight and be like, hey, hi, did you read this one? Read this one. 
listen to how God's telling us about this, okay? So share that with them. So make, make sure you get someone's number tonight. Okay. All right. Um, so we said that we were breaking it in chunks, and I'm going to move on. I'm sorry. It's going to be the elect people, right, the model church, okay? Now this is exemplary people, all right? Paul was proud of his church. This is five and seven verses. He's proud of his church, the way they received the gospel, and there are some standout examples in several areas of their lives that are worth mentioning. You ready? They received the word. Verse 5 says, Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, with deep conviction, you know how we lived among you for your sake. All right? So they received the word. They followed their spiritual leaders. Verse 6, starting just the first part, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. Some translations use the word followers instead of imitators. Well, you know what? I tell my girls all the time, I have two daughters, she's doing what I'm doing. Honey, imitation is the highest form of flattery. That's good. You know, it's just that they don't think it's good. They're very upset that the other one's copying them. But really, imitation is the highest form of flattery. We should be imitating really the Lord. Okay, and then those who are, are ahead of us in their faith or stronger in their faith, there are sisters in Christ that are living their lives in a way that are honorable and worthy of imitation, we should be imitating them too. That's what Paul's saying. You imitated us and the Lord, right? Um, they accepted the gospel, believing, you know, that's only the start. But new believers, they need to have spiritual leaders that they can learn from and be encouraged. Warren Wearsby explains, just as newborn babies, oh, where's that baby? Where is he? Oh, he's out there. Okay. His grand, his granddad, what do you, what do you call him? Pop. pop has him. And I'll tell you what, he doesn't, he never has there been a prouder pop, I don't think. All right. So just as a newborn baby needs a family, so newborn Christians need the local church and the leaders there. Obey them, it says in Hebrews. Obey them that have the spiritual rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls. It's not enough for us mature believers to win souls. We must also watch for souls and encourage new Christians to obey God's word. All right, here's a little, just a little takeaway from this. And this is for three groups of people. One, seasoned believers. Allow the Lord to use you to minister to believers young in their faith. They don't have to be young people. They could just be young in their faith. New believers need a lot of nourishment, right? Just like babies need a lot of nourishment. Live a life worthy of someone else imitating you. Don't be hypocritical. Don't expect others to do what you say, but not what you do. Live the way that you should be living in a way that others could follow you as a role model and grow in their faith. And be in the word of God. Be in prayer Guess what? Ask the Lord to, uh, to show you who it is he wants you to be ministering to and love on your sisters in Christ. Look around the room. There's a lot of sisters in Christ here. All right, young in your faith believers, you too, be in the word of God yourself. Be in church as often as you can. Or if you can't be here in person, listen to a podcast or teachings of trusted teachers, teachers who are teaching the word of God, okay? Pray and ask the Lord to send someone to help you walk out your faith. And maybe um, it's someone sitting in this room right now. And if you're an unbeliever, you haven't made that decision yet, this is for you. Let today be it. If you know that the Lord, that 
what Jesus did for you, you know you're a sinner, let today be the day of your salvation. Don't wait. If the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, then this is what the Holy Spirit's the day. Listen to him. Salvation, it's for you. Okay? All right, so they received um, the word, they followed their spiritual leaders, and they suffered for Christ. Oh, I wish this part wasn't in there. But it is. Second part of six, in spite of severe suffering, you welcome the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that gives the joy. There's no explanation. We're going through hard times. When you have joy in your life, it's the Lord. Okay? The Thessalonians were suffering persecution for their faith. And guess what? Paul knows what persecution is like because his conversion, before his conversion from Saul to Paul, he was masterful at persecuting believers. After his conversion, he was no stranger to being persecuted himself. Um, in 2 Timothy, it says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Wow, how's that for encouragement? But guess what? Keep reading because Paul gives you the secret for being equipped for every good work. Ready? He says, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures. Be in the word. It's the word, okay? Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Persecution is the test of your faith. Be in the word. You know, when Jesus was tempted, how did he resist? It is written. He used the word of God, okay? So when persecution comes, you need to be in the word. It's not time to get in the word then. I mean, listen, if you haven't, fine, go ahead. But I'm saying it's a lot better if you do it ahead of time, okay? All right, so they um, received the word, followed spiritual leaders, suffered for Christ, encouraged, um, and now they're encouraging other churches. So they've been, now that people know about them because they are not, they're not holding it in. They're sharing. They were models to the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Okay, there was no us and them. It was we. We are the body of Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ. And if we're going to spur one another on, if we're going to have some competition, let it be to challenge each other to be reaching out to the world and each other in love. Okay, so if there's going to be some competition, let it be about love. Um, and then we've had uh, the first part, they were model church because they were elect people, exemplary people. Um, they're also enthusiastic people. They were excited. Um, the Lord's message rang out loud and clear. That's verse 8. The whole church in Acts, it says, the whole church was involved in sharing the gospel. It is not the pastor's job only. It's not the minister's job only. It's all of our jobs. We should be sharing the love of God and the gospel. Okay. Um, and then also, they were expectant people. So verse 9 explains, For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Well, their faith showed their part of the elect people because they abandoned their idol worship and they trusted in Jesus, even against persecution. Their love showed that they were exemplary people, enthusiastic about living out and sharing the new faith, and their hope showed they were watching for Christ's promised return. Well, remember, did I say unbelievers are hopeless? Did I mention that? Oh, I think I might skip that part, but that's okay. 
Is it not? I don't know about you. When I come into hard times, and heaven knows, this last year has been one of the most trying times just in my personal life. I don't know how unbelievers go through that. I don't know how they live without the hope. You know, before hearing the gospel and turning to Christ, the Thessalonians were idol worshipers. Their idols were made by hand. In Psalms, it talks about how they had um, ears, but they couldn't hear, noses, but they couldn't smell, hands, but they couldn't feel, feet, but they couldn't walk, nor could they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. Useless. But we serve a true God, a living God. We are not hopeless. I don't know how they can do, I don't know how they worship anything other than the true God. And listen, maybe it's not statues and idols anymore, but don't be fooled. People are still worshiping idols, things, whether it's careers, hobbies, pursuits, ambitions, whatever it is, things that take up their time and attention and their affection, right? Those are idols. That time, attention, affection, that belongs to the Lord, okay? That's how we worship him, right? The Thessalonians, they left all that idol worship, and they put their faith in Christ. Now they are eagerly awaiting the promised return of Christ. The word wait means, you know, um, to await someone with patience, confidence, expectantly. Some believers were so convinced that his return was coming soon that, ooh, they actually stopped working. They became busybodies, and they became idle. Not I-D-O-L, but I-D-L-E, as in not doing anything. Well, this brought arguing. This was not God's plan for them. In the waiting, we need to be sure we are obeying the word and sharing the gospel with others. Knowing that Christ could return at any moment should motivate us to be about the work of the Lord. In summary, believers make up the church. We are the church. We are believers. And there are several things that should mark a believer's life. They need to be elect, born again, exemplary, imitating the right people, enthusiastic, sharing the gospel with others, and expectant, daily looking for Jesus Christ to return. Let's pray.